0: Welcome to the J&J Connection Podcast.
1: I'm Jesse. And I'm Jordan. Today, we'll be talking to our friend, Walt. What's going on, guys? Not much. And we're going to talk to him about his time in the military and what he is doing now.
0: I I thought you
1: were going to just go
0: off and just start (laughs) the conversation. I was like, what what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) No. It's like, I... That was That's the most. That's what they call improv. That <laughs> was that was the most creative high we've had. Oh, I'm sorry. You gave me so much freedom. <laughs> I just real ran back, in, back in. in. You 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 did it, and you confused George. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, fact of the day: When Crystal Pepsi came out, Coca-Cola released a competing product called Tab Clear. But Tab Clear was intentionally marketed poorly, so it would fail and hurt Pepsi's product by association. This is the "born to die" strategy, and within six months, both campaigns were dead.
1: Rest in peace, RIP. Yeah, have you ever actually tried the the Clear
2: sodas? They're absolutely terrible. Like huh. Sprite? Well, no, no, Sprite's cool. Sierra but like, Mist, Pepsi. Okay. Oh uh, no no no! Great, <laughs> love those uh, clear Pepsi, clear because they like brought them back not too long ago, uh, you know, to try to I don't know revitalize everything. But it was just terrible. Like
0: it awful. was really bad.
1: <laughs> it what was, was li- bad about it. What was it supposed to be flavored as? So, so- uh,
0: good. I was gonna say for me it was Pepsi that was flat, but mm-hmm. stu- but clear. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, it like tasted like you hadn't had Pepsi in like 10 years and you were just trying to remember what Pepsi tasted like, <laughs> huh.
1: but like flat. Oh. That's, that's weird. I, I don't think I had it whenever they re, relaunched it, but yeah, it sounds like I didn't miss, miss much. Absolutely not. Walt, welcome to the show. Thank you. The Thanks show for having me. Thank
0: you for being here. The show of shows. So, Walt. Yes. Like our other guests that we've had on here, you went, we, we all went to high school together. Correct. We all previously know each other. Mm-hmm. But we want to get down to the nitty-gritty. Who is Walt?
2: Well, Walt is a, uh, I, I am me, myself, a guy. And uh, <laughs> I'm in, in, its, in its most basic form. Um, but now I'm I'm uh, 24. Um, I'm an IT professional working in the IT field doing stuff. Um, I'm a part-time uh, National Guard soldier for the Pennsylvania National Guard. And uh, kind of a part-time content creator now. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that.
0: Nice. Um, what made you wanted to be, and you were in the military, not not just the National Guard, but in the regular military? Right? Correct. Right? Yeah, Army. Okay. Ar- mm-hmm. Okay, Army. What made you want to do that?
2: Uh, honestly, so after I graduated, uh, high school, I, I didn't really know what I, I knew like I should go to college cause that's what everyone told me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I got into the university of Alabama and decided that's where I was going to, you know, do my, you know, do my schooling and everything originally went for architectural engineering, which soon, uh, became not the right choice for me. <laughs> um, Classes were just way more <clears throat> difficult than what I was prepared for. Um, you know, maybe, maybe it was something along the lines of didn't get the right kind of education. But I really just hadn't been exposed to computer classes because Southside just really didn't have um, kind of like the options that maybe some other schools did. But mm-hmm. I, uh, I went to Alabama, realized that it was way too expensive for me to just continue to take student loans out. Um, so I figured the best way to A, pay off my student loans and B, get my, the rest of my college paid for if I ever decided to go back was to join the military. Um, I don't know if I made the right choice, but <laughs> it, you know, it, it worked out now, so I can't be too upset. But right. yeah, it was just kind of a, uh, I need money and this is the quote unquote easiest, uh, fastest way to get, you know, college
1: money. So that's what I did. I
0: hmm. mean, it's, it's a valid way to do it. So.
1: Did you want to pers- Did you want to keep pursuing uh, architectural architectural engineering whenever you were in the army, or did you just see that as an avenue to get money, and you were sort of going to figure it out after you got so, that done?
2: After my first semester at Alabama, um, my grades were subpar at best. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had some. I honestly had some really tough classes, and I was taking twenty credits my first semester, which was oh, a mistake. Well. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, it. it It's always kind of been, like, I love designing. Um, I just think it's a really cool thing. I kind of get that that itch scratch doing, like, a little bit of, like, even, like, graphic design now. Like, just Mm -hmm. something about the creativity of it. Yeah. But uh, it just, it it definitely wasn't the route for me. Um, So I ended up switching to management information systems for my second semester. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had enlisted and was getting ready to go to training um, after the semester ended. Um, And management information systems went a little bit better, but it was kind of like a poor man's computer science. Like I was doing a little bit of coding, but the uh, like business aspect of it just wasn't really what I wanted. So at that point I had no idea what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go and how I wanted to do it. Um, So the military was just like, I know that they are going to have a job for me. They're going to have something for me to do every day. I'm going to get something out of this. Right. Mm-hmm. So, And that's kind of where the IT came from.
0: Okay, so Walt, mm-hmm. you, you, you uh, sign up for the military and then everybody has to do basic training, correct?
2: That is correct, yes. And it is probably the, uh, the most degrading part of being in the military. <laughs> Why is that? So, at least in my experience, um, I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Um, and I had enlisted in like February, um, of 2015 and was going to go to training in like May, June timeframe, um, after I'd finished up the semester. Um, and I, I get to Fort Jackson and they put you in this training or, uh, I don't know how you want to describe it, but basically this transient state before you actually go to your basic training company and get assigned to your platoon and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're getting all of your shots. You're getting your haircut. You're getting issued all your equipment um, and everything along those lines. And it was basically like four or five days <clears throat> total. I think I maybe got four hours of sleep.
0: Oh um, God.
2: It, Cause it was just everything, you know, updating records, um, medical, dental, vision, uh, uniforms, like I said, it's, it's, there's just so much to cram in to this small amount of time because these basic training places, Fort Jackson, Fort Benning, and so forth, they're on such a tight schedule. You get there and, you know, let's say your, your official training starts on a Tuesday mm-hmm. and then 12 weeks from then that Tuesday, you are going to graduate basic training. Um, or, you know, you end up getting recycled, but like, your company cannot be behind even a day because there's graduations every single day um, from different different companies, different platoons that graduate basic training. Um, th- I mean, so many soldiers are going through that, like, it, you just have to be on such a strict timeline. Um, there's definitely no time, like, to waste.
0: So, what was the training like?
2: So, the training itself, physically... Um, Some of it was pretty difficult. Um, I can remember within the first few days we had like our our initial obstacle course. It was like a bunch of team building type of exercises and stuff, you know, climbing over a wall ropes course, um, rappelling down like a a big wall victory tower Mm. Um, and and things like that, that, you know, kinda get you you acclimated to what you're gonna be, what you can expect over the next 12 weeks. Um, And, you know, getting to know the people in your platoon Um, And, you know, building that camaraderie. Uh, So physically, the training was pretty difficult. I've always, you know, played sports and been in pretty good shape. So it wasn't the most difficult thing for Mm -hmm. me. Uh, But mentally, it's some of those things can be really tough. Um, Like one example, there is a it's called the night infiltration course. And basically, it's this huge sand pit and you and your battle buddy, which is just you know, someone in your platoon, um, yeah. you guys, along with everyone else, are just crawling through the sand um, at night while they're shooting off fake mortars and shooting like tracer rounds over your head and stuff. Tracing. You know, to kind of simulate, yeah, to kind of simulate like if you were just kind of in the worst situation possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and physically it was incredibly difficult, don't get me wrong. But mentally, because you can see where you gotta go. Uh huh. I mean, there's sand, there's barbed wire, there's things that you have to crawl on. It was so mentally exhausting. By the time I was done with it, I was like, I don't want to do anything ever again. Like, <laughs> just, I, I would be okay if I died right now. Jeez. Um. so it's, but I mean, that's that's the point of basic training is to to break you down to absolutely nothing. I mean, that's why I'm sure that they could pick some better like issued glasses and things that you gotta wear but you get these thick coke bottle glasses, every guy gets the same to the skin buzz cut mm-hmm. um, everyone is made, you're supposed to look the same and to, you know, so you don't you're not an individual, you're a team right. but it's just made to, to break you down as much as humanly possible and then at the end of it you know, you're better off for it and you're that much closer to being a, you know, a real soldier.
0: Right.
1: So, so oh, go ahead, buddy. Your, do they set you into basic training based on where they think you're going to end up, so that you stick with the same people, or is it just sort of you come in and you get put into the next training class that's uh, that's uh, people are filing into? Yeah, then- so
2: it's it's totally random, except for um, like combat MOSs like infantry and so forth. They go to Fort Benning um, for their training because they have. Um, they have all of their training like basic training and then we'll get into like ait which is your advanced individual training Mm. um and for infantrymen they just extend right into it same place same platoons everything um and they're just like a couple more weeks at fort benning but then once you get through all of that you get sent to your actual like duty station um from there it's it's pretty random unless you have uh like a specialty in your um in your contract like airborne or Air assault or ranger or something like that
1: hmm.
0: so does basic training have anything like because um, i've heard of hell week and i've read about read a little bit about it for um, marines or or is that seal training
2: uh so seal training has buds um and i mean everything kind of has like a, a quote-unquote hell week mm-hmm. um you know, almost almost all branches do. I don't know about the Air Force; they seem pretty soft. But uh, no, um, I mean, so day zero is what they call the first day, and that's when you have your shark attack, um, and it's you're, you're getting off the bus with all your bags and everything, and there is a thousand drill sergeants just screaming their life out at you
0: at basic training.
2: Yeah, basic training. Yeah, first day. Okay. Um, and then for the first week, you are you're just scum, and that's when you're like you are nothing to them. Um, but yes i mean similar to to like a, a hell week situation not as intense in terms of like the training like they're not trying to get you to quit right um, but yeah it's it's definitely intense um that those for that first week and especially that first day
0: so it's like you have to earn their respect kind of th- kind of deal
2: yeah and even then at the end of basic training our drill sergeant he was such a you know a hard-ass kind of guy and uh our, our female drill sergeant came down, and she shook everyone's hand. I was like, congratulations. And he was like, I'm not shaking any of your hands. You're still all pathetic. And I was like, ah, oh, cool. <laughs> all right.
0: That's a, that's an interesting way to go about it.
2: Hey, you know, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it is what it is.
0: Right. Uh, is there any, like, um, no, I was going to say, ask you if you have any, any one story that you remember from basic training that stands out other than those other uh, Two that you talked to us about already?
2: Yeah, I mean, th- there's, there's so many things, and you make such good friends because you're just, you know, stuck in the worst situation with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we had that, that same drill sergeant. Uh, he kind of looked like Jim Carrey. And everyone <laughs> knew it, but no one really said anything.
0: Uh, and uh,
2: we had this, this other, uh, other dude, little guy, and drill sergeant called him lawn gnome all the time. <laughs> on oh, <no. laughs> and uh this is towards the end where they they were kind of loosening up just a little bit and uh our started to put his hat in the tree and it fell out right onto the guy's lap and th- their hats are like a sacred you know item that are, is not to be touched by anybody but them uh-huh and it and it falls into the into the guy's lap and everyone is just staring at him and they're like oh my god he's going to die <laughs> and he he grabs it out of, out of his lap he's like lawn gnome if you ever touch my hat again I'm gonna end you and this dude stands up looks him right in the eyes and this drill sergeant is like 6'6 250 big guy uh, and this dude is 5'6 on his best day and he looks at him and goes drill sergeant you kind of look like Jim Carrey and none of us knew what to do it, it was like we all just our eyes got big our our hearts sank under our stomachs and it was like Oh, now we're all gonna die. Everybody here is gonna die, and uh, everyone just started laughing. Our other drill sergeant started laughing, and it was like <laughs> he ended up smoking us. We did a ton of push-ups afterwards, but like that moment was so funny—just to to see him stand up to this guy that was a foot taller than him and a hundred pounds heavier than him. Uh-huh. Like, it was it was gold.
1: <laughs> Jeez. Just what what was going into his through his mind um, on the lead up to that? He's like, "Well, I'm already in it, I guess." Yeah. What are they gonna do? (laughs) What's he gonna do? Really kill me? Yeah.
0: Oh Oh my gosh. Um. So after your your basic training, uh, how did you get? Because you were stationed in Afghanistan. Correct me yeah if so, I'm wrong. okay
2: no you're correct um so what you do after basic training you go to your advanced individual training um and specifically uh mine was to be a 25 quebec which is a multi-channel transmission systems operator maintainer um it's a fancy name for someone that works on like retrans radios satellites stuff like that mm-hmm. um and and that's what i do you know now with the with the national guard and everything But you go for training through that. Um, Like mine was 26 weeks or 22 weeks or somewhere in there. So, um, but then they send you to your first duty station. Um, But uh, yeah, so after that, I ended up deploying um, to Afghanistan. Well, I went to Fort Hood first um, and we spent, I don't know, two months there or so. Mm -hmm. um, Just kind of getting trained up, getting more equipment issued you know, for deployment uh, and everything, you know, the stuff that we'll actually need to go overseas. Right. Um, But the majority of our battalion, probably around 300 soldiers, um, was based out of Kuwait. And Hmm. Kuwait, you know, it's it's not like a combat zone or anything, but it is like 130 degrees over there all the time. Right. um, It is wicked hot. But the team that I went over with, um, I think there was probably around 20 of us. Um, that got sent to different parts of Afghanistan um, to, you know, fulfill whatever mission that um, they had for us. So, like, specifically, we worked in a signal shop doing everything from, um, like, help desk kind of work and networking and systems administration um, and loading, you know, uh, ComSec, which is communication security, and, like, making sure that all of our data is encrypted to keep everybody in that... I was in, uh, like Kabul, Afghanistan, which is the capital city, um, or just outside of it, but to keep every compound that was around that area, like communicating so that, you know, there was never, never a downtime. Right. Um, so I, I did get to travel around, uh, by helicopter mostly and, you know, go to all these other different sites, um, to like load ComSec for them. So that was, that was really cool. I got to see the whole country pretty much from top to bottom at different times, hmm. um, but, yeah, so I, we spent almost a year over there.
1: And what year was that? Uh,
2: that was 2017 into 2018, into June of
1: 2018.
0: Gotcha. gotcha. So how – did you ever get to go out, like, on your own?
2: Um, no. I mean, over the I, – I guess, yeah, I, I could get on a helicopter by myself and they drop me off at the compound by myself. But never just, like, outside the wire, uh, you know, by ourselves. They always wanted you to have – you know somebody with you and, okay and it's it's funny in afghanistan that same drill sergeant jim carrey um i'm just, you know sitting at my desk doing some work and he just walks through the door and like the sun was like eclipsed by him because he's so big and i was like oh it's you <laughs> and he was just like what's up man and i was like uh i i don't want, i don't know if i'm allowed to talk to you <laughs> like but, uh, no, we ended up getting, like, lunch a few times at the dining facility there. Um, a super cool guy outside of basic training. Um, but it was just, like, so we were on such a small compound, and, you know, to run into to somebody from the early days of your military career is, is something crazy.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah, I mean, Afghanistan as a whole, obviously not the best place to be. <laughs> but, um we definitely made the most out of it. So we were stationed with um, a bunch of U.S. soldiers, a bunch of British soldiers, a bunch of Mongolian soldiers, a bunch of just NATO soldiers in general, different countries from uh, from NATO. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them, you know, we got to be super good friends with. And we had this makeshift volleyball court that we would played volleyball on all the time. Um, and, you know, playing playing sports with like the Mongolians and the Brits and stuff. Um, super competitive uh, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and I definitely wouldn't trade that experience for anything.
0: Uh, did you learn any, like, um, what life is like for the people in Afghanistan?
2: Yeah, so, it's, I mean, it's its a third world country still, no matter how you slice it. Right. Um, but in Kabul City, uh, its it's almost... It's almost to the point where it's like a livable area. So, um, I I took this picture from the helicopter of one of the mountainsides leading into Kabul. And there is a a million of these mud huts, basically, uh, built all the way up the mountainside leading into Kabul. It is, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. These people, like, live on top of each other. um, Because I'm assuming they don't have the money to like live in the city and have access to the things in the city right so they all try to live as close as they can so that's why they're like on top of each other um but when i went to different parts of the country where it was just barren desert more so um it's it's very very tribal almost and kind of uh you know they don't have the the same standards that we do. So, for example, we have a a blimp, basically, that floats over our compound, and it's got cameras. It's like a surveillance blimp. Um, Hmm. And somehow, someway, the blimp got detached from its anchors and floated away. (laughs) (laughs) And the locals shot the blimp down with AKs or whatever it was. Hmm. And instead of taking the equipment that was on this surveillance blimp, uh huh. They just burned the whole thing where it stood, Jeez. and it was just like, "Oh, technology. We don't know what this is. Burn it." And I was like, "As <laughs> if something like that happened, wouldn't you want to try to learn from it and see maybe what you could get out of it?" But it was just like, "This is outside us. Let's get rid of it forever." Um. So it's very inward thinking that they have.
0: But that so that wasn't out of like a a hate for you guys being there kind of thing
2: i mean it's hard to tell it definitely could have been um a lot of the locals loved that we were there um because it's not necessarily afghanistan that we are in conflict on in conflict with right you know it's it's these extremist groups the the al-qaeda the isis and so forth that are really who we were you know having issues with um we had a bunch of locals that um Lived just outside of our compound, and they actually worked in our compound um, giving haircuts and selling various things. Like, I bought so many of these silk scarves, these uh, like Afghans, Pajminas kind of things. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, they say 100% silk. Don't know if that's true, but they are incredibly soft, and they sell them for, you know, a couple dollars a piece. Um, and so we had a ton of locals that, you know, would sell these various things, um, and a lot of them would sell, like, old uh, old Russian, you know, metals and stuff from the times that, you know, Russia invaded Afghanistan in, like, the 80s or whatever it was. Um, so, there's a lot of history in that country that I, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really know before going there.
1: Right. Hmm. But. <clears throat> so, who who exactly is the main threat in Afghanistan? What exactly is the, is the, um, army doing there? Um, like what, what's their objective, I guess. So there's a a couple different like operations that are
2: ongoing throughout the country. Um, and without getting into like too much detail, specifically, there is a a group that trains local police, Hmm. um, on how they can better themselves, how they can be, uh, how they can do their job better. So they have, you know, like military police um, from the U.S. train their police on, you know, how to <coughs> shoot better, how to do things. Um, there's groups over there that are teaching them how to farm better, how to plant and grow crops better, mm-hmm. um, because it, it's, it's, ba- it's very barren over there. I mean, there's some areas mm-hmm. that have, you know, vegetation, but it's rocky, sandy dirt that isn't great for growing. But um, th- there is conflict, and... That conflict is handled, you know, however necessary, but a lot of it is trying to better the people there, Um, because ultimately, you know, the U.S. wants to be out of Afghanistan. They don't, no one wants to be in war for, what, going on 20 years now. Right. So, um, but it's so hard to break that in, if you leave, you know, do they fall back into their old ways and stuff like that, so it's it's kind of a kind of a double edged sword we we need to be there to help but we don't want to be there um because you know obviously you know soldiers and marines and everybody else you know are losing their lives over there mm. and you know h- how do you how do you weigh those things um mm-hmm. but you know there's different there's different missions for different things um going on over there for you know since 2001 whenever the like initial troops went in so mm-hmm. it's you know, it's hard. Uh, there's a documentary called Legion of Brothers. If you haven't seen it, I, I definitely recommend it. Um, it's about the first teams that went into Afghanistan and liberated the entire country from northern, like, mazar sharif Afghanistan mm-hmm. all the way down through Kabul, all the way down to Kandahar in the south on horseback with um, a Afghani general and his men. They rode down on horses, and they freed all the Taliban strongholds.
1: Um, I think and- I- Sorry, I actually think no. I remember reading some, something that mentioned that in a book. Um that general he is he a he's a ranking official in the government now, isn't he? In the Afghanistan government? I believe so. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, can
2: I, yeah. They they recently put out a a movie version of it with like Chris Hemsworth. Um I think it's called 12 Strong or something. Oh,
0: is that not? okay, yeah
2: yeah so that's like the Hollywood version of it but the actual documentary with you know real footage and everything is called Legion of Brothers I believe it's on Hulu it is incredibly good Um, but at one point they say you know we liberated the whole country in a couple months like you know the small amount of guys that we had how has how have thousands and thousands of troops been bogged down for 19 years right and you know that goes back to the we're, we're entrenched so deep now that it's it's hard to get out
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. But so who you were talking a little bit about all of the people were working with how exactly I I sort of who are we working with there aside <laughs> like our allies as far as military representatives you already mentioned the British and the Mongolian and then the more civilian side, it seems like we're working with, uh, you, you, again, just reiterating what you have said, police forces, mm-hmm. uh, farmers basically. So what? who exactly are we working for and how, I guess, how, how, how do you integrate all of your effort to completing a single goal or multiple goals, I guess? yeah. Um,
2: it's, it's hard to, to give like a exact like, you know, we work for this person or this company, uh, but there's you know, just US contractors, civilians that, um, come over and do various jobs too. um, working. So like, I I know that specifically I was with the army Corps of engineers, um, who did a lot of the building, um, a lot of the demolition of like old stuff. Um, and then different like technology contractors, Raytheon, general dynamics, IT, things like that. Um, you know, they, they kind of all handle, um, doing, you know, the IT kind of stuff. Um, and then, Different companies, different, you know, government contractors, Northrop Grumman, uh, you know, things of that nature. Um, it's kind of who they work for, the Army, but the Army in turn kind of works for them um, or the Marines or, you know, like I said. Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard to, to put, a, a, you know, a label on, you know, who it is we're working with. All NATO forces, uh, I mean – all these different countries and so forth have um, people in, like, the headquarters over there, and that's kind of where all the decisions are made. And then they disperse that information out to the smaller compounds, um, like the emb- You know, there's an embassy, like a U.S. embassy, over in Afghanistan, um, and that's where a ton of the, you know, high-ranking people are. Um, it's a, it's like a U.S. territory that, you know, that's where a lot of the stuff happens. A lot of the decisions are made. Um, but it's it's too hard to say like you know we work for this person or we work for this company but it's it's a huge you know effort uh, together effort to to put all this into play and you know to try to keep things running as smooth as we can without losing too many people or losing
1: a grip on what we're doing right mm-hmm. how how is coordination handled between those all these different groups or are they just acting independent of one another?
2: So there's an uh, an overarching um, like for example like rules of engagement you know when are you allowed to engage the enemy if you know if a certain situation um, as far as that kind of stuff different countries have different rules on what they can do um, but there is kind of like an overarching set of rules like a guideline that NATO has to follow to, to make sure that they're not doing anything and obviously like the geneva convention um Mm -hmm. on how you can handle situations if you were ever you know faced with that but um different i mean if you're doing a, a small unit you know mission where it's just u.s soldiers going out you handle as long as you're covered um from what nato says you know you handle things the way that either the army wants you to do it and then if it comes down from that the division the brigade the battalion, the company, the platoon, and then that squad. Hmm. Um, so it all just kind of trickles down from the very top. And you you have a lot more freedom to do certain things overseas than you would in like a garrison environment oh. uh, or especially in a trade TRADOC environment, which is your training environment when you're in basic or uh, advanced individual training where everything is super strict. Um, but the rules are a little more laxed when you're overseas because um, generally, you know, the people that are over there, um, it's not just your your average everyday you know Joe's in the army, um, not necessarily a specialized team, but you know they're they're prepared for it they're ready for it and um, leadership has faith in them that they're going to be able to get the job done the way that they want them to
0: mm-hmm. that's, that's really true. interesting uh
1: I have one more thing, and then uh, we can move on if Jesse doesn't have any other uh, things to say about it but um i'm I'm curious. Uh, I guess I'll preface this with this story. I work with a guy who, um, he's a postdoctorate and he, um, he was in the army and he, he was a sergeant and mm-hmm. medic and, uh, he was stationed in Turkey. Uh, okay. And, um, they kept on, they were coordinating with the Turkey, or with the Turkish people as best they could. Mm-hmm. And, um, I can't exactly remember what the conflict was, but, um, For me, it was really surprising to hear some of the stories he had, because one one that stands out was um, that part of one of his things that he just, that was always on their radar, um, was that there were aircraft coming into airspace that they were not allowed to be in, right? and uh, they were just sort of around there, and for me as a person, when we got to that point in the story, I was like, oh, and then something bad happened, but then... It sort of just went on to like yeah they do that all the time and yeah they just like messing with us basically and it's I just it's surprising me as a layman just hearing something like that and like think that like that's that seriously sounds like an extremely bad situation to me right, yeah but it's just sort of run-of-the-mill so I guess what what in your experience sort of is reminiscent of that like what What do you see on a daily basis that would drive the average citizen insane um, as far as like right
2: now I don't know but while we were overseas um, so I mean like mortar fire rockets were super common um, and to, to hear the alarms go off and telling you incoming 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 and you're supposed to find a bunker get inside um, and wait till the all clear comes up and the first day or the first time that it happened, it was like, what is, what is going on? Is this, is this really happening right now? And the, after the first month, it's like, well, whatever. Like, they're doing it again. Um, because a lot of compounds are armed with a counter rocket and mortar system, uh-huh. which you can find it on YouTube. It's called CRAM. Um, but it basically just hurls a million rounds a second and shoots rockets and mortars out of the sky. Jeez. um and to to see one of those in action is just unbelievable but um yeah so things like that like the locals do what what is called celebratory fire um well they'll just walk outside with their with their rifles and just start popping rounds into the air um huh. and it's it's like something that you hear them starting going off and then the alarm will go off telling you to you know get inside or whatever but it's like it's such a common occurrence for them to to do that and for them to shoot you know homemade mortars and um and stupid stuff like that that it it's become trivial because we've been so good at being able to defend against it um but you know you think maybe that's what they're waiting for is for us to get complacent with that and then not be prepared um for something more but um yeah so helicopters, when they would take off uh Kabul is considered the kite flying capital of the world. Um, there was kites in the sky all the time. It was super weird at first, but um, yeah, eventually, it was like it became part of the everyday thing, but some of them would fly kites with piano wire to try to you know get into the blades of our choppers and you know try to take them down that way. but um, just things like that that they would do that at first seemed like what is going on but after a while it was like oh this is just part of what happens this is just everyday life over here.
0: Mm-hmm. That is insane. So, that's insane well. sounding. Yeah, exactly. Honestly.
2: And and to to me it's like yeah, that's just how it is, but to the average person it's like are you are you crazy? Why would you volunteer to do something like that?
0: Yeah. So well, that that's hold, give me one go second. For it, go so for it. <laughs> so that's like their way of like just messing with you guys like trying to get under your skin i mean or they're actually trying to make attempts on like the lives of soldiers i mean probably a little bit of both um i don't know
2: i don't know how the relationship with like the turkish people and with u.s soldiers and stuff are um i know in afghanistan it's not super great obviously with everything going on Um, So maybe, you know, in in Turkey, it was a little more trying to get under your skin. Afghanistan, it was more, you know, trying to cause harm. But also, this is going to just annoy you all the time. Um, Because they they would shoot mortars and miss by, I mean, kilometers. It was like, you're not even close. But it would still set off the alarm. It would still send us to a bunker. It would still, like, do these things. And it would impact a a thousand meters away. And it's like, well, that... I would think at this point you would be able to, to hit where you wanted to, so maybe they're just doing it as a as a way of, um, you know, just to be a, a nuisance.
0: Right. Buddy, what were you going to say?
1: Yeah, I just... I I guess, I don't know, if I had to... Um, I can't really figure out how I want to put, put this. I don't know, you, you know, I, I wonder if that's just the... the their equivalent form of like i don't know graffiti like obviously what they're right. doing what they're hmm. doing is c- can result in extreme harm but like what if and i'm sure if you had an Amer- enough americans in one at one place and you kept on flying helicopters over them one one absolute genius would think hey we should do something to mess with them, or like people you know you point laser pointers at airplanes and stuff right. like that, so I wonder how much of that goes into it yeah, I mean it's, it's just like to toe the line with the people who are you know trying to put you down or something i don't know right yeah it's it's definitely a, a weird
2: relationship whenever you you know you kind of not necessarily invade but you're when you're kind of in a a foreign country um and dealing with the the locals because they have a totally different way of thinking most of the time than, than we do, uh, in the United States. So it's like already they're probably annoyed that you're there and Mm -hmm. that you're, you know, limiting, you know, maybe where that compound was, there was something that they liked there before. And now it's not there because the U S bought it and, you know, now has an operation there. Mm. So it's, I don't know. Like I know, Our compound. The land was originally owned by a Afghani like warlord, which is like a general level, Mm -hmm. Um, and he he like lived right up the hill from us. Um, And not that we were allies with them, but there was a like a mutual um, hate for you know the these these radical groups that you know were causing harm to to his people because being you know, a warlord like that, like you are still responsible for the Afghani national army. Mm -hmm. Um, and therefore the Afghani citizens. And whereas, you know, ISIS, they're not, they're not affiliated with like an actual organized group. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a weird relationship to have with the, trying to have a civil relationship with people that probably don't want you there to begin with.
1: Mm. -hmm. Mm. -hmm. I think we can move
0: on. Or... Yeah, I, I was going to, I mean, there's so much more that we could talk about with just being there, but we're, we're getting close to that time. So let's bring it home and ask Walt what it was like coming home.
2: <laughs> just, well, I, uh, <laughs> just, I, did you like that? <laughs> I like, yeah, that was, that was smooth. smooth. <laughs>
0: it's like, it's like Jess. Yeah. <laughs> but,
2: uh. So, I came back to to Fort Hood to do kind of some like demobilization stuff, um, turning the equipment, do some medical, make sure that you were, you know, in in good shape to go back to, you know, the real world. Um, And that's when I got into the Pennsylvania National Guard around the same time. But basically, I got back, I want to say it was like June 2nd or something. Um, And I started, I got off the plane went to lunch with my dad and then I started working at a key bank pavilion that same day. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 didn't even give myself a chance to, to like come home and, and relax. Mm. Um, I went right to work, but uh, I ended up surprising my mom cause she was working out there and she, cause I told her, you know, I wouldn't be home for another week or so. Oh um, yeah. So, so I, I did the whole, you know, cliche went and surprised my mom. <laughs> um, she was super happy, but yeah, I went right back to work basically. Um, and then, you know, had like a big welcome home party afterwards, I mean, you know, maybe a month later when things kind of settled down and um, I was kind of back to reality. Cause it, right. it took me a while to kind of assimilate back because I'd been in such a weird place for so long um, to come back to civilian life and, you know, being around people with a complete different sense of humor. 'Cause veterans in military can just be so vulgar with everything that they do. And uh you know, to go to like a an establishment and and talk to these people and it's like, look, I can't talk without swearing. And it was getting <laughs> getting back to like being a human again and not just a soldier. Um but I definitely like assimilated back into it well and being part time has uh like part time in the military has let me be able to you know, focus on my life and, you know, start moving forward with my civilian career.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Being part of the National Guard, you still have to do like um, training. Is it once a year or is it once a month?
2: So it's supposed to be a, a, a one weekend every month and then two weeks of uh, your annual training in the summer. Um, however, that can vary depending on, you know, what unit you're with and so forth. I know my unit right now, um, before this coronavirus situation, we were doing usually like three days a month, uh, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh-huh. And then our annual training is supposed to be like three weeks or maybe a little bit more. Um, but that that all can depend, like, you know, maybe that unit's getting ready to deploy. Uh, maybe they're, you know, getting prepared for that or maybe they have to make up training days from a year prior or something along those lines. But, yeah, basically um, once a month, a couple of days, and then a couple of weeks in the summer
0: usually. Hmm. What about uh what's your opinion on like cuz I'm trying to think how and how I want to phrase this. There mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk about veterans of the okay. United States. <laughs> <laughs> so there there's been some like backlash on veteran care. What's your opinion on that on how we handle that?
2: Um so I I think it's gotten better, um, at least. I, I didn't really have to deal with it until I got back. Um, but basically, you know, how you kind of start your, your veteran care process or, you know, th- with the VA mm-hmm. is you have to have all your records. You go to see a VA doctor, and they give you an initial rating of, you know, what, what percent disabled, basically, are you. Um, and that ranges from 0 to 100%. Um, and oh, you geez. can be 100% disabled without really having a disability, per se. Uh-huh. Um, like H- tinnitus, like ringing in the ears. H- if you can yeah. relate that back to your service, it's like 10% disability. Um, so you go, you get seen by a doctor. They give you your rating. You are, you know, 40% disabled, let's say. Um, and then you go for monthly weekly depending on how severe it is appointments um and it is it's kind of like the dmv you go in you take a number you sit and you wait and you hope that your number gets called basically to uh to go in and get the care that that you need huh um it can it can be difficult because it is kind of a uh you know like a socialized care so Hmm. it's Every, everybody that's eligible for it can do it um, so you don't have that that barrier so it, it can get pretty gummed up sometimes um, and it's it can be hard to be seen um, like I know before there was like when the guys came back from Vietnam it was so backed up um, that you know the people were waiting years and years and years before they could even get seen initially um, and by that time you know these conditions had worsened so bad for them that uh they were just kind of thrown to the wayside and i've definitely seen it get better now um with like a lot of the guys that i came back with um we've all had pretty good experience with it in you know getting getting most of mostly everything that you need in a pretty timely manner mm. um granted there's less troops overseas again coming back than you know there was in world war 2 and in vietnam and korea and so forth but um i think it's gotten better personally at least in my time in
0: yeah i i work with a guy right now who he's he's a veteran and um he he had ringing in his ears for a while and i've known him for four years i've worked with him for four years and last year he finally got like some hearing aids or something to control the ringing and so he could hear better right but it's all it's uh, good I was just going to say it's also funny to see like if you, he he's got the work ethic of like a, a guy who's been in the military. He's a, like you can tell that he's been a soldier. Mhm.
2: Yeah, it's uh I mean it a soldier they we just kind of have a different way of, of thinking about things and doing things and um you know kind of just a different breed of of person with in terms of work ethic. Uh, and that's not to say everybody or, or like civilians can't work as hard as military or whatever, but, um, it's just kind of instilled in you. Like that's one of the, one of the things that you learn is, you know, that, that work ethic, but, um, yeah, going back to like the, the veteran care, um, you know, if it did take him, you know, a couple of years to, to get that, those aids, if he needed them then, um, that definitely would not surprise me in terms of, you know, how the VA system works. Um, but the VA, I mean, to kind of you know jump around a little bit the va did get me a home loan and allowed me to purchase my first house so and that was very quick and easy and painless um so i you know i can't fault him at least in that regard
0: huh
1: (laughs) that's pretty nice
0: yeah that is really nice
2: yeah i was not expecting it to go through as as smoothly (laughs) as it did when when you hear va it's kind of like oh here we go
0: yeah but so now that you bought your own house and, uh, or actually, no, I want to. Before we get into what you're doing now, mm-hmm. I, I had one more question. Um, Good. So, d- do you plan on being part of the military in some form for the rest of your life?
2: Absolutely not. Um, oh. I <laughs> get out. I get out in February of uh, 2021, and I cannot wait for that day. Um, Not that I hate (laughs) hate the military or anything, Uh but um, I got so much out of the military, and I'm sure I could get more. But I'm advancing so well in my, you know, to not to sound super, you know, boastful or anything, but I'm progressing so, (laughs) yeah, I'm progressing so far in my civilian career that, um, you know, going away for these three weeks coming up assuming it happens and everything Uh is is going to like take away from my civilian job and you know if i get deployed that's going to you know be another year that i have my civilian job on hold right and Mm -hmm. uh you know it got me certifications and a security clearance and like i said a va loan um and student loans and everything it's how do i throw that away for you know how much more can I really get out of the military at this point? Right. Um, I've gotten so much, and I think it's a good time. Uh, it, it'll be six years total um, in February. I think that's just enough time for me to have done the things that I want to do. I got to travel and see a bunch of different places. Um, I got the experience of being in you know a combat zone and, and doing that, and um, all the things that I got from the military. I just don't think that I need to do it anymore. As as much as I you know, maybe I would want to. And who knows, maybe in two years after I get out, I'm like I wanna be back in the military. And that's an option that I have. I'll be able to, you know, re enlist if I wanted to, assuming uh medically and physically and mentally I'm I'm able to do it. But um I just think it's it's time for me to, to get out and to pursue other things and to be a, a, a civilian.
0: Right. So. Now, granted,
2: I, I want to work for the government, like, don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but yeah. um, it's, you know, it's it's time for me to be done with the military thing and just kind of
1: move on, go to the next chapter of my life. You think you'll ever uh, try to get involved with uh, foreign, or, uh, foreign relations again, sort of kind of doing what you're doing, or what you were doing in Afghanistan, but um, more in a uh, non-military uh, uh, capacity?
2: I mean, yeah, it would definitely be something I'd be open to. Originally, I, uh, after I got back, I immediately wanted to go back as a as a contractor. Hmm. Um, a the money is really good for U.S. contractors over there, but um, it was. I, I came back and I was like, this, I feel like this is all I know now. Is like this, the last year of my life has been this situation, and it was, it was comfortable. It was familiar. It was like maybe I should just go back to this. Um, but once I, once I was like able to go to restaurants and hang out with friends again, I was like, well, maybe maybe I like living <laughs> at home a little bit more. Right. Um, you know the U.S. soil. Um, the, you know to go back real quick, we had we were flying back, and we landed in Ireland, I think. Um, and we were able to like step outside. There was like a a smoking area. I don't smoke or anything, but there was grass, and I hadn't seen <laughs> grass in too long and it was just the smell of this grass and like to feel it it was like wow i missed this like the little things that i didn't realize i was gonna miss but yeah i'm I'm glad i uh came back and didn't go immediately back overseas because i feel like i would have maybe gotten like stuck in that mindset that this is the only thing that i'll know
0: right so now that you are back um so what are you doing now
2: well i currently I am working for a, uh, facilities management company doing data center work. Um, so I handle, you know, racking and stacking of K, ca- of, of servers and switches and stuff like that and cabling. And, um, you know, basically these huge server farms, uh, you know, my, th- our team is responsible for, for building that basically and, and, making sure it's, uh, you know, it stays running and our uptimes, mm. up uh, you know, as close to a hundred percent as we can. So that's what I'm doing now. But, um, it kind of, uh, Jordan, you're in the D.C. area, correct? Yep. So I was working southeast of D.C. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. It's southeast. called the Tungsten River. It's, I mean, it's like an hour, hour and a half southeast. Um, southeast? Yeah. Oh, uh, kind of by the Chesapeake Bay down on that peninsula.
1: Um, because uh, I, I, <laughs> I. I think I got married in a Potomac Park, so oh, really? I, yeah, I'm trying to. But that we were that was near Baltimore, so that, that would have been Northwest. Yeah. Are you
2: familiar with um, the Solomon Islands down there?
1: I can't say that I am.
2: Yeah, but anyway, it's it's about an hour, hour and a half southeast of DC. Um, but there's a little naval air station down there. I was working there for about six months, um, trying to. get into the IT field as a civilian Um, because like I said I went back and went straight to work at Key Bank Pavilion where I was doing warehouse stuff and moving alcohol and beer and everything else and it was, I was like well this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. Um, so I took a job down in Maryland uh, working for the Navy as a contractor Um, and kind of a bad thing for me to do i just started dating my current girlfriend uh like december 8th of that year and on december 14th i moved to maryland without her <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> just left her here like um, peace out <laughs> yeah and i was like hopefully this works out because this is what i'm doing sorry um but you know we made it work i was only about six hours or so from home so mm-hmm. um i was able to we were able to make that work and i got some great experience and, uh, in July of last year, I got an offer to, for a job in, back in Pittsburgh and I was like, well, this is my opportunity to, to come back and to, you know, <laughs> come back to my girlfriend and my family and everything. Right. <laughs> um, so I took that job and, um, with, you know, making a little bit more money than I was and, um, being able to use a VA loan, uh, I was able to get my house, um, which I bought in September
1: of last year. So nice. that's good. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I always, I have home homeowners envy and I just, I just, I love hearing people our, our age who get houses. It gives me hope.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like one day.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, even, even I, you know, being that far Southeast of DC, I lived in this crummy little townhouse apartment, whatever mm. you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was I was paying more for that than I am for my mortgage right now, and it's I, I was bet. like, what What am I doing? This is ridiculously expensive, and I'm sure as close to DC as you are, like, it's got to be just unwieldy up there.
1: Yeah, I I hesitate to say it again, but if we continue this podcast, I'll say it a hundred thousand times again. So, <laughs> uh, but there's every every time I drive to church, I uh, pass this half acre lot, and it's uh, no no electricity, no plumbing wired to it. And you can get that half-acre lot for $350,000. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so Co-
0: Cost you about $350,000. $350,000. <laughs> <laughs> $1, <000. laughs>
1: $100,000. So every time I see somebody who, or some of our friends on Facebook who are realtors now, and they're like, oh, Steubenville, 160000 for three-bedroom, uh, two baths, and like a spaceship in the backyard. And a spaceship <laughs> in the backyard. <laughs> yeah it's
2: uh there's definitely hope um <laughs> maybe you know enlist in the military get that va
1: loan <laughs> but, <laughs> I, the, I'm, it's, I'm sure uh, like i could work on all the nuke nuclear stuff yeah there you go <laughs> the, navy's
2: got nukes but uh no it's it, it's been it's been great to to have that opportunity um and you know it's a little something in return you know for the sacrifices that you know you make as a as a soldier even just in everyday life being a soldier mm-hmm. um so to to have that opportunity was great and i, I do love being a homeowner uh it's it's great I, I get to you know mow my grass and wave at my neighbors and, you know, be <laughs> I, I live in a little suburbs in uh in moon but um yeah it's great i'm i'm i couldn't be happier with it that's
0: awesome yeah so walt yes now that you're home now that you own a home, you have a good job. You're doing. You're just doing life.
2: I'm doing it, yeah.
0: You also started doing some content creation stuff.
2: That is true, yeah.
0: Don't you to talk to us about that?
2: Yeah. So um, recently, uh, I guess within the last month or so, um, a buddy of mine that I actually worked with down in Maryland. Um, he's still down there, but we started a uh, collaborative Twitch channel. Um, And if you're not familiar with Twitch, Twitch is a a live streaming um, platform for mostly for video games. Uh, They do do some other things, Um, but we started it with the intent of, you know, creating content by playing video games and live streaming and, you know, doing stuff for that. So um, it's, it's been great. We took off a little bit quicker than I, than I thought we would. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we've plateaued a little bit, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a great experience to be able to, to make content and, like I said that creativity part of it with making the content uh you know with twitch and then I know absolutely nothing about graphic design like nothing (laughs) but I have this website that I use to make really basic graphics Uh um it's all just layering you know 2d shapes and stuff um but you know I make I make all of our graphics for our stream and for our channel and everything else and uh It's, it's been a ton of fun We're we're working on getting our YouTube started. Um, And then um, we're also starting to think about maybe doing a kind of like a tech podcast or like a tech tips kind of thing, you know, to get that rolling uh, for us as well. But, you know, it's one step at a time right now. The Twitch is is going great and we're focusing on that. But, you know, those next steps are coming and hopefully I can continue to do it because I'm really enjoying it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that always looks fun. I, I don't think I'm creative enough for it, but that always looks like a good time. It, uh, it is a great time, and if you if you can build a community
2: of people that like will come out and watch your stream, um, and you can interact with them because it's it's hard to be creative. Like I think if you were to just start with a YouTube channel and try to make videos for that, where you're like, hey, what's up, guys? It's your boy Walt here playing some Call of Duty, <laughs> and like trying to talk to nobody yes where i
0: know this too yeah way. i know this too well
2: yes uh jesse i i loved your youtube videos by the way I, I was watching those while i was overseas all the time like you playing outlast and stuff those were fantastic
0: <laughs> oh god <laughs> but that yeah it so is crazy. it's
2: very hard to just talk talk to yourself as if you're talking to other people but even if there's like two people in in chat um, and, you know, maybe they're sending a message every now and again. It's so much easier to talk to that person. Yeah. And to, like, ask questions to that person. Um, because, you know, you're live streaming, so you get to ask questions. Where if you're just recording a video, you're you're probably not going to ask, like, well, you know, what do you think I should do at this exact moment as as you have eight minutes of a video left where... Whatever you asked and whatever someone would answer means nothing because you right. did what you wanted to do. Whereas you know with Twitch you can you can wait for a response and then do you know uh, do whatever they you know what what they want you to do. So it's nice to have that uh, that live audience, but at the same time you're saying things live and you could say something stupid real fast <laughs> uh, or just look like an idiot and you know that's part of it, but know like I said we're really enjoying it it's it's been great so far
0: I've really wanted to start doing a twitch
2: but do do it it's awesome
0: I just don't know what I'd play
2: I didn't know either and so what was really great is the the first thing that we did um, was we did a charity stream and twitch has um, widgets that you can add that are just just that you can put in a widget that will link to a charity. Um we did ours through a site called Tiltify. Uh-huh. Um and you could select the charity. So we selected um Meals for Kids, um, and No Kid Hungry. And basically it added a widget to our stream and we didn't have to do anything. We didn't touch the money in any way. It was whatever you felt like donating, kinda like a GoFundMe. Um you put you put in your amount, put in your name, put in whatever you need, and it sends that money directly to that to that charity. And then once the uh once the quote-unquote campaign is over, um, so for ours was like we did ours for I think seven days, just just to if anyone wanted to after the actual charity stream part of it. But uh, yeah, we we raised four hundred and twenty dollars. It was awesome. Nice. Um, and we were able to, to give that right to that charity, um, and we're planning on doing another one in June. We're planning to on do one every month if we can, um, just because we had such a great turnout the first one. So, uh-huh. um, but that helped in playing just playing games with people and you know interacting with that person and then just trying to you know throw in some some stuff to your chat i mean it's easy to just play a game and um forget that you're streaming and that's that's sometimes is a good way to go about it because you know that's when you're the most pure that you're the most jesse or you're the most jordan that you can be is when you're just yourself Mm -hmm. And and people like that and people what people like that 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 uh sincerity
0: oh yeah and what's and what's your uh, Twitch called?
2: Uh, our Twitch is uh, the Unregulated Meat Market. So if you're looking for us, it's uh, Twitch TV <laughs> slash Unregulated Meat Market. I love it. Uh, no capitals, no spaces, no underscores. Um, and that name came from my buddy. We were talking about you know the coronavirus and, and all that stuff. You know, and, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know, and, uh,
0: <laughs> when, yeah. when whenever you sent that to me and I looked at it. I was like Unreg- unregulated meat market and I was like I wonder if that has anything to do with the coronavirus. Oh,
2: absolutely. <laughs> he was like, yeah, so one day, 2020, bat soup was was plentiful and then the world changed and it was like he's like, yeah, I came right out of the unregulated meat market and I was like that's it. That like there it is. Like you nailed it. And he's like, yeah, that's what I think about in Neymar Twitch and it just it grew from there and now we're uh, you know, we have our own little Twitch channel and YouTube and everything else and um, you can find us on social media. Most of the time it's Unregulated Meat Market. Our Twitter handle is Unregulated Meat because we couldn't fit market. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, if you guys are on Twitch, give us a follow. Um, it, you know, really helps us a lot. A lot. But uh, yeah, we, we play some games. We give away a ton of free games too on our charity streams. If nothing else, follow us and you'll be entered to, you know, win, win games uh, that we get for free. So we're giving them away all the time. It's awesome. It's a great time. Definitely stop by if you
0: guys can.
1: All right, sweet. Nice. We'll have to check it out. Uh.
0: All right. Well, Walt, thank you so much for being on. Well, thank you guys for having me. Seriously, it's been a blast. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, Glad to have you. Do you have any before we let you go? Do you have any questions for us?
2: So I mean, what kind of got you guys started on this? Um the, the content creation because you know, for me, it was just like out of the blue. It was just we decided
1: to do it one day. Did you guys just, like, were you guys planning this for a while? We actually got started what was it like five or six weeks before uh, quarantine started? I, I can't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but we uh, had, January 30th,
0: January 30th,
1: so you, like eight weeks before stuff started going down. Right. Um, so we had the, we sort of were talking about it and had the idea cause I, I, I like certain kinds of content on, um, on podcast, but there's very little of it mm-hmm. that I, that I actually enjoy. And so I just sort of want to take that and, uh, sort, sort of spread it with the people I know. And, uh, so that's sort of, that got me interested in starting a podcast mm-hmm. and, uh, but you can speak to you yourself
0: for me well well like you said i had a youtube channel before mm-hmm. and i i liked it at the start but trying to do a video every single day and talking to myself sometimes jordan would make an appearance on there um Woo-woo. but it just that just, just wasn't very fun and yeah. it wasn't fun anymore and then i graduated from Penn State Beaver, and I didn't have a job yet, and then this whole quarantine quarantine thing happened, and I was like, "Well, that's just great, great timing." <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, "Well, I got nothing to do. I, I wanted I've wanted to do something else besides, like, I still want to make make videos eventually again, but right now, podcasts just seemed like the easiest thing." Once Jordan brought it up, and then I got to flex my because I, I do, I want to do graphic design stuff. And so then it kind of, I just dove into making our logo and all of our other stuff.
2: Yeah, your logo looks great, by the way. Uh, Thank if I you. haven't ever told you that before, but yeah, it looks fantastic. It is a thousand times better than anything I I can do. Um, I, I recently got a free trial for like Adobe Suite mm-hmm. and. I've uh, been like doing some little stuff in Photoshop and tried the uh, After D- Effects. I don't know if you've ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. don't don't. F- don't f- if that. you're
0: gonna if you're gonna make a logo, don't use Photoshop.
2: No, so I I use just a, a free online thing and then I usually export it and then you know touch things up in Photoshop if I need. to. Okay, okay. But, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're looking to make videos again, dude, start with a Twitch. It's, it's a, a more simplistic, easier way to. Because if you really wanted to, you could take that whole VOD and just put it on YouTube um, or, like, cut it where you wanted to. Right. Um, and, you know, there's there's your content for YouTube. And then you've also put it on another platform um, without, you know, really even thinking about it. Right. So, but yeah.
0: That's what we, I plan on doing with this podcast, too, at some point. Once we start doing video with
1: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's going to happen, buddy. I don't care. <laughs>
1: yeah. We, I... <laughs> I would like my own. I guess we can get into it later, but my only hang up is that we can't be in the same room. That kind of sucks, but I'm sure we'll, we'll just have to get creative with it. Well, yet, yeah.
0: Yet. All right. Yet. Walt, thank you again for being on. Is there any social media or anything you want to shout out?
2: Uh, definitely. I mean, our Twitch again, twitch.tv slash unregulated meat market. Um, give us a follow, give us a subscribe if you're feeling so generous. Um, but no, other than that, I think I'm good.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. And, and thank you for your service.
2: Oh, thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. I really do.
1: I guess it's, it's encouraging to hear that people like the long form stuff because, I always get really nervous whenever I talk a total of, like, three minutes. What do you mean? Like, cause, oh, because... Oh, in, in one I, sentence.
0: Or one yeah. go. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, well yeah, because it's like, you know, I look at the... We're sort of we coasted out to an hour and ten minutes, and I was like... I, I've said, like, four things. I know, that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, I haven't I said...
0: Much Like, it's all been Walt. But that's... No, so that episode, it ran a little bit longer, but it it made the time pass so easily just because he had so much to say about what he he had done. And Mm -hmm. that's what made it easier to listen to. You know, it, it made it easier to digest. Because he, like, he went deep into it and all of it was so... It's so different from what we see in our, nor- our normal, everyday civilian lives. You know, it makes you think in terms like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, it's just... It, it. Whenever he was talking about some of that stuff, for whatever reason, it brought my mind back to a debate we were having like two or three years ago. You and I? No, 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 not, not that we were having, but... People were having generally. Oh. And it was. Um, it was basically something to the effect of people. Oh. Shoot. I. We might have to cut this part. Did you get lost in the. I beat? know what I want to say, but I can't remember. I, I, I really can't remember where the debate started. Um, be, the video I remember was. Um You're getting someone, lost in
0: the sauce.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well no, I mean we we might actually have to cut this part. I'm i trying to think of the this video was like I remember what he was reacting to and what his reaction was. He was talking this old veteran was talking about how he would go he was talking to people while he was deployed in Afghanistan and then saying, um like, we couldn't walk out on the street or else we would be shot or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that was a reaction to something. So, in my mind, it takes... I, I can't think of the situation that would bring that up, but it was probably people felt unsafe to live here, and so it was. this was justification for that. Right. And I, I can't remember what that debate was at all. But it just makes me think... Like, if you actually put yourself into people's shoes who... Or living like that and uh, for me it was like you know if you have people from a different country with an advanced military and they just sort of it will show up on your doorstep one day like as an American you, you could imagine how someone might react to that right and sort of after a long time of just being occupied that way it sort of I think well it doesn't justify the actions that they take as far as messing with the people stationed there in very serious ways. Um, it's sort of, it's easier to understand uh, with that in mind.
0: Yeah. It, it's just crazy hearing about the things that they, like they had to deal with while they were there. Yeah. Like it being the, um, I forget what city he was said he was in at the moment, but it was like the, Kabul. the Kite capital of the world or something like that. Kabul. Kabul and um, he said that they would take piano wire they would take piano wire and attempt to get it stuck in the chopper blades like what <laughs>
1: yeah
0: <laughs> that's just and then like firing off the mortars but then like you said it's like um, it like it could just be like their form of graffiti just shooting things off or making things explode but my my thought to that was um i feel like this is more expensive far more <laughs> expensive
1: <laughs> yeah uh yeah i mean i don't know like that it's such a foreign situation that I I, I I i in my head i can't justify it like maybe it's maybe i honestly i have no idea
0: yeah and and it it's um I mean, I'm I'm glad to. It, it doesn't seem like, as far as like veterans with like a PTSD, come back.
1: Mhm.
0: It, it doesn't seem like Walt has much, if any. Yeah.
1: And yeah, which is encouraging.
0: Yeah, which is really nice. But um. I don't know. I I imagine trying to sleep the first few nights, back home, even, like just hearing about like the mortars and stuff and being w- woken up to go to a bunker. That's the kind of stuff that would make it really hard to sleep at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would at least take time to adjust, which it so- mm-hmm. sounds like Walt did, which is good. Um, yeah, so you want to, you're want you going to join the military, buddy?
1: <laughs> gonna... Probably not. <laughs> I, I mean, I... I... Have I'm not like just going to enlist tomorrow or anything, <laughs> but I've sort of I've thought about working in a military capacity because, because like you know, the military does need people to maintain nuclear stockpile. Like somebody has to have that job, mm-hmm. and uh, I I always thought that would be a really interesting one, and it sort of ties in also with I'd like to get into policy someday, and you know that just might be a part of the job at some point. Uh, if you have to know what your stockpile is and you have to maintain it, then it makes sense that you would have to talk to other countries about that. Right, and it's kind of kind of important. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It, I, 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 I. think it went well. I yeah, I don't have much to say other than that. I yeah,
0: it, it went well. I don't like. There's it, not that we are cri- cri- trying to critique anything here, but I feel like nothing. R- exactly went unsaid except me asking him if aliens are real or all the secrets he knows now that he's in the military
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah.
0: so stay tuned for part two really the the big
1: the biggest questions went unanswered which is the biggest disappointment
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) um no it's all and it's also good to hear about the um him doing content creation now Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it kind of it kind of makes me want to do it it's like start a twitch account buddy Mm -hmm. maybe 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 one day maybe one day but if our if our listeners are like yo that sounds awesome i so want to hear and watch (laughs) these guys play games on twitch
1: Assuming all of our subscribers are Christopher Walken. <laughs>
0: yeah, they all sound just like that. I have no idea who that character was. <laughs> um, no, but it all it all just sound
1: good. And yeah, the one thing, one thing I sort of I read this book and now I just want to know everything about it. But um, was the Afghanistan? Uh, he was talking about the warlord who was there, and I. Uh, I, I wish I would have looked up the name with my super-duper uh, producer powers, but um, uh, I remember reading the book, like, this general warlord uh, took um, special forces onto, in, into raids and, like, was breaking up terrorist org- organizations and uh, how that general ev- eventually rose to power, and I think he ended up being the... Oh, my cat just attacked my foot for some reason. Uh i think he ended up being like vice president or something Mm -hmm. and but the uh the lesson of the book wasn't that this was a good thing um in his power he had amassed a lot of wealth and was also putting down political dissidents and uh so the power that the united states government gave him and uh the position essentially um He's he's there to do really bad things now, and it's sort of we have a lot of alliances there that just sort of fit. It, their their only use is to provide us a tactical advantage in military, uh-huh. and which makes for some really really head headache policy decisions down the road. Um, but. In the capacity that they're now, it's good to see that, like you know, they're helping them with farming and being, being, able to sustain themselves. Like I, right, I think yeah. that's a far more um, noble I, goal than trying to overthrow government or trying to uh, do things like uh, arming arming terrorist organ arming friendly terrorist organizations to go after um unfriendly terrorist organizations Mm -hmm. because i feel like that just that mess that causes for a lot of uh um destruction in the future
0: yeah i didn't know about the um us our police like training their police and the farming stuff so i thought that that was interesting to hear about too
1: yeah but you know I, i like i like hearing a lot more about that than uh uh, us teaming up to like you know shoot other people.
0: Right, but you know what really threw me for
1: a loop? What threw you for a loop? That uh,
0: that fact of the day.
1: Uh, I forgot it already. <laughs>
0: I'm all right. I guess. Oh no, the crystal. Uh, okay, no, no. Nah, nah. Let's just end the podcast. No. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the J and J Connection podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast. They are available wherever you get your podcasts from. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at JJ Connection Podcast, Twitter at JJ Connection PO1, Facebook at JJ Connection Podcast, and email us at jnjconnection Connection 95 at gmail.com.
1: And remember, if life, sk- if life gives you lemons, give them back.
2: <laughs> Beautiful.
1: Yeah, oh. that's that's how that goes. <laughs>